Hi, this is Pastor Brady, and welcome to week three of our eight-week series called Upside Down, where we're taking a deep dive into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. This time, we find ourselves looking at how Jesus calls us as followers to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. With that being said, we're going to start the <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much, Brad. I appreciated that knock-knock joke. But hey, I do just want to again say good evening, everyone. It's great to have you here with us. Uh, this is really exciting. We are now into the third week of our lesson series called Upside Down, where we're taking a deep dive into the Sermon on the Mount. This is the sermon that Jesus would have preached, and we find it in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And so as we've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount here during this eight-week series, we're trying to keep a focus on the final uh, words that Jesus gave us in the Sermon on the Mount, whenever he said this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And so can anyone tell me, what did we talk about last week? What was our teaching last week? And I got some candy to throw out for anyone who has an answer for me. What did we talk about last week? There was a certain phrase I was looking for. Yes, Andrew. We talked about that two weeks ago, but I appreciate uh, you remembering that far back. That's impressive. What did we talk about last week, though, Jocelyn? Bingo, you're right on it. So this section is called The Beatitudes, and it was all about challenging those who are sitting on that mountainside and challenging us today to start flipping our understanding and mindset of how we view people. He was starting to challenge us to flip it upside down because currently in our pretty narrow mindset of things, when we think of someone who is blessed, we tend to think of those who are rich, those who are, you know, just incredibly smart, those who are extremely talented, and we think that those small group of people are, they're the blessed ones. Like, they're the ones that, like, man, they just have it so easy, they are blessed. But Jesus came to fix that. He said to say, no, you all got it wrong, like, It's not just them who are blessed. And so he went on to tell everyone this. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Because Jesus came to bless, heal, and redeem all of us. Not just a few group of people that we said, Oh, they're blessed because they have this. No, Jesus came to bless everyone. Even those that most people will look down upon, Jesus specifically made sure that they were blessed. And so I hope you had the opportunity to kind of just share that message with someone last week, someone who is just feeling really down on themselves, struggling just with their own understanding of who they are. I hope you had the chance to share that message with them this past week. And if you didn't, you're going to have plenty of other opportunities to do so. So I hope you jump on them moving forward. But That's what we talked about last week. Now, for this evening, we're going to be going into our next section here of the Sermon on the Mount, here in Matthew chapter 5. And so we're going to read this together. As Jesus is up on that mountainside, he proceeds to teach these words to the crowd of followers. Starting at verse 13, this is what he said. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot 
as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. All right, so that's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. And here we see Jesus, he's providing us with two different metaphors. Can someone tell me what are those two metaphors that Jesus just gave us? What do we got? What two metaphors? Taryn? So that's not, that's not necessarily the metaphor I was looking for, but he did talk about salt. That was the one. What was the other one? Yeah, he talked about light. So a metaphor is whenever you're kind of compared to something. So he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. These are the two metaphors that we're looking at. And at first glance, as we are looking at this passage and we see Jesus is calling his followers, he's, call, he's calling us salt and light. And I got to say, at first glance, as I read this, I kind of think, that's not really the biggest compliment, Jesus. Like, you're calling us salt and light? Like, let's just uh, use our imaginations here. If we go back to about 10 years ago, when I first met Lexi, not wearing this current banana costume that I'm currently wearing, but let's say, you know, I'm doing my best to, you know, try and show my riz, you know, try and win her over. And I go up to her and I say, hey, girl, you sure are, uh, you're looking like salt today. And did I mention how light you look as well? I think that's the, that's the exact reaction I, I would have gotten 10 years ago. So... That doesn't make much sense. It seems weird. And so why is Jesus calling his followers salt and light? Well, I can tell you there's a whole lot more to it than just talking about plain old table salt or a random source of light because Jesus' words always had a little bit more to it than what we think sometimes. And so before we really start breaking down these two metaphors, there's a question that I want you to have on your mind as we move forward in this lesson. There's two questions here. Why do you think Jesus is referring to his followers as salt and light? And then the other question is, what similarities do you think salt and light have? So with those two questions in mind, I don't want an answer yet. I want you to save it for later because I want to talk through it a little bit. We're going to talk through these metaphors, through these verses, and then I want to hear your answer after that. So with that question in mind, we're going to hop into our first metaphor here talking about salt, where Jesus says this. He tells us as his followers, you are the salt of the earth. Swopey, you're the salt of the earth. Grant, you're the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus is telling us. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And so let me ask you all, raise of hands, who has salt in their house? It's like, yeah, pretty much every single hand went up. Exactly. You all can put your hands down. Yeah. So salt is a pretty basic commodity that we all have. Like it's nothing rare by any means. Everyone has salt. Everyone uses salt regularly. But did you know that as Jesus is preaching on that mountainside 2,000 years ago, salt was actually considered to be one of the most precious commodities that someone could have. It was incredibly precious back then. In fact, according to some ancient Roman tradition, Roman soldiers 
would actually be paid in salt. They would call it salt money or salt silver, which is pretty fascinating. Like, they're getting paid instead of like, you know, we get paid in direct deposit nowadays, but they're getting paid with a salt deposit. I thought I was going to get at least one laugh from that one. Man, thanks for the forced laugh. I appreciate it. So the question should be, why, why are people okay with getting paid in salt about 2,000 years ago? What kind of, like, what makes salt so important? Anyone know? Luke, what makes salt so important? So it was, it was definitely more rare, so that definitely had uh, some increased value to it. But the important thing about salt, especially back then, is that salt has some really, really uh, important properties to it, some really powerful and unique properties that nothing else in the setting of Galilee 2,000 years ago really had. So there are two things that salt does for us. And this first one was really, really important back then. You see, the first thing that salt does is that it has the ability to preserve and purify whatever it's added to. So salt, it has this ability to suck up moisture, and it doesn't allow bacteria to grow, and it kills the bacteria, and then in the process, it's purifying whatever it's added to. So if any of you, you know, if any of like your parents are really into like grilling meat, if you ever heard of curing the meat first, it's adding a bunch of salt to it to cure the meat. And so that was incredibly, incredibly important. It preserved and purified food, which helped it to last longer. That was incredibly important. But the second thing that made salt so important is that it just makes food taste good. That was incredibly important back then. It makes food taste good because back then, they didn't have very flavorful foods. Everything was really bland. And so, if you've ever had food without salt, you would definitely know it. And I just want to challenge you all, you don't actually have to do this, but if you went a week without having the slightest hint of salt in your food, you would realize just how miserable a life without salt would be. And so to give you just an idea of what that would be like, Andrew, Adia, I need you two to help me out. Could each of you grab one of those bowls up there on the piano? So grab, grab that, and then I need you to pass it down the rows. In those, you can pull it out of the bags there. I went, you know, through the work of baking some Auntie Anne's pretzel bites for each of you, because I care for each of you so much. But what I didn't do, I made sure that I did not add any butter or any salt. And so I just want you to go ahead, once you grab it, go ahead and eat it. Enjoy this bland, dry pretzel bite that is kind of cold now because it's been a while since I baked it. So go ahead, just take one. Just take one and pass it down. And as you are eating these bland pretzel bites, as you are eating them, I want to tell you all a story. So I have a, I have a story that I want to tell that just talks about the importance of salt. So... Like I said, salt is really important as it adds flavor to food. And so uh, about a year ago or so, there was a family from our church who made a huge batch of chicken corn soup. And I got to say, chicken corn soup is one of my absolute favorite foods. I love chicken corn soup. It is amazing. It makes me happy. It is just the absolute best. 
And so when this family from our church, they reached out to me, they said, hey, Pastor Brady, we made a big batch of chicken corn soup that we like to give out to family and friends. And thankfully, they considered me a friend. So they gave me a container of it. And I was ecstatic whenever I got this. Like as soon as they brought it to the church that evening, I brought it home to my house, poured it in a bowl, heated it up in the microwave, and I was ready to chow down on some chicken corn soup goodness. However, when I took that first bite, something was just off. Like there was, something was not right. You see, what it tasted like was some hot water, some noodles in there, a little bit of shredded chicken, and then just some pieces of corn. It had absolutely no flavor to it at all. I was like, what on earth am I eating? This is just a disgrace. And so I did not tell them that, and hopefully, you know, they don't listen to our podcast. <clears throat> but, uh, sorry, Peck family. But I actually, the next time I saw them, I reached out to them and I said, hey, did I do something wrong whenever I heated up the chicken corn soup? Because like the taste, like, it just, the taste seemed a little bit off. And so whenever they told me, they're like, oh yeah, we do that on purpose. Whenever we make this big batch, some of the people we give it to, they're not allowed to have a high salt intake because of their health. And so they said, all you have to do, just add a little bit of salt to it and it'll be good as gold. So I was like, oh, okay. So came home, added some salt to it. And my goodness, it was amazing. It was just liquid gold. Chicken corn soup goodness. I love chicken corn soup. It is so amazing. But seriously, what a difference a little bit of flavor of salt could make. Like, I, I couldn't believe the difference that it could make. And it just it made me happy and it filled my heart with joy whenever I had it. And so the thing with salt is that it's incredibly valuable and it was incredibly precious to those sitting on that mountainside 2,000 years ago. And so that's why Jesus tells us, he says, you, my followers, you are the salt of the earth. And so when he says that, he's telling us, you, my followers, you are valuable and you are precious. That's awesome. But not only that, he is telling us, you, my followers, your job is to preserve the good and purify the earth. You are the salt. You are called to do that. And he goes on to say, you, my followers, you're to become the flavor of life, to bring the joy and life to this earth. And you, my followers, you are to make a major positive impact to the earth around you. That's what he's telling us. That's this mission that he gives us. And so he says, you are the salt of the earth. But it doesn't end there. Because he goes on to say this next. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So similar to salt, we're once again talking about an incredibly prized possession for those sitting on that mountainside 2,000 years ago. And that was light. And so why do you think that is? What made light so beneficial? What makes light beneficial in the first place? Why is light so important? Nate? It helps you see. Yeah, that's exactly right. Light is unlike... <laughs> it's pretty cool. Light is the only thing in the world that can penetrate the darkness. It's the only thing in the world that can do that, that can break through the darkness. And so those who are listening to Jesus' words, that was not an easy thing to do 2,000 years ago. Because back then, they didn't have you know, a light bulb that you know, they could just 
you know, easily flip on the light switch and then boom, they have light. They didn't have like a flashlight. They couldn't just pull out their phone and just, you know, hold down a little flashlight button right on the home screen. Like, no, they, they didn't have that. Light was incredibly difficult to possess. And so that's why most of the times, as soon as the sun went down, people just slept. And they would sometimes sleep for like 12 plus hours because they couldn't do anything with the light. Yes, Kenzie? Heat. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yes. I was... Yeah, it could be a source, of, a source of heat as well. Exactly. And so the thing about understanding why light was so important is back then, to even get the smallest amount of light was incredibly expensive. And so what they would do is they would get these little oil lamps, which if you see here, this is a replica of what the oil lamps would have looked like back then. You can see this is not big at all. And so what they would do is I'm going to try this now. We'll see how well this works. They would fill this little oil lamp. They would put oil inside. And back then, oil was also really, really expensive. And so this tiny little thing, let's see how well we can get it to light. This was their source of light at night. And so what I'm going to ask, Ryan, if you could do me a favor, if you could turn off the light... And then, can we get the lights off in the back as well? And so let's see how, uh, let's see this light that we get. All right. So, take a look at this. All right. Do you all see this? That tiny, that tiny, tiny little flame that's barely surviving right now. That was their light source. This would have cost you so, so much money to even have just this little bit. And I'm sure they got it to light a little bit more than what I have this little lamp going right now. But what's so crazy about this, we can turn the rest of the lights back on all around us so we're not sitting in darkness here. It's incredible. Just this little lamp right here we're all kind of laughing at just how much light it produced, which wasn't really much of anything. That right there was so incredibly valuable to those 2,000 years ago. And the reason it was so valuable is that even just this little lamp, that tiny little flame, it was enough to fight back against the darkness. And I don't know about you all, but like, the dark is, like, we can all admit, the dark is a scary thing. Like, when you can't see, when you don't know what's out there, it's terrifying. Darkness is terrifying. I mean, that's why, like, when we watch movies like Star Wars, who, who, are, who are the evil people? What do we always say? They're on the dark side. Exactly. So we associate just, like, the, the bad and the ugly, the evil. We associate that with, like, the, the dark side, the evil side. And so darkness, it's, it's unsettling for us. And so... I mean, I can say, I don't know about you all, like, when I was growing up in our basement, whenever I would turn off, like, the lights in the basement, I would immediately, like, run up the steps as fast as possible because I would be terrified uh, because I didn't want to be in the darkness. So I would just run up the steps as fast as possible because the darkness is scary. But on the other hand, what does light give us? Well, light gives us comfort and peace, <laughs> as I thought Kenzie said earlier. But light, it gives us comfort and peace. 
And the crazy thing about this is they've actually had studies show that during the summertime, whenever there's more daylight during the days, like the days are longer, there's more sunlight throughout the day, people tend to be a lot happier. Their mental health and emotional health is significantly better compared to the winter. Whenever the days are shorter, there's not as much sunlight and they're cooped up inside all the time, there are significantly more cases of depression and anxiety during the winter because there is not as much light. It's incredible uh, that I just, as I saw this study. And so here, as we read this passage, we see Jesus is saying, okay, you, my followers, you're the light of the world. Do so you know what that means? He's saying that you, my followers, you are to be the comfort for those who are feeling uneasy. You are to provide the world with comfort. But not only that, you're to remove the darkness, the evil in the world. You're to remove the darkness. And he's telling us that you, my followers, as light, you make a major positive impact on the world. Now, before I continue, I asked you this question earlier, these two questions. Why do you think Jesus refers to his followers as salt and light? And what kind of similar properties do salt and light have? So, who's got an answer for me? Hartley? That is exactly what I was looking for. They both have major positive impacts on the world. Nice catch. And so that's what they're, they're known for. They're having these major and positive impacts on their surroundings. And so that's what Jesus is calling us as his followers to do. He is calling us to create that major positive impact to the world and people around us. That's the mission that he gave us. But that's not the only mission that he gave us. Because before Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, he gives us one final commandment that he's calling us to do. This comes from Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. This is known as the Great Commission, and it's found in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. And this right here, like this, is, this is our mission. We are to go out, spread this good news to those around us, and we are to be salt and light to the world. We are to make that positive impact on the world around us. And I hope you're sitting here right now, like, like this should make you excited. Like, this should just like feel, make you feel like rejuvenated about just the awesome impact that you get to make on the world in the name of Jesus. Like, this should just like, like before like a football game when the coach is getting everyone riled up, like we should be like storming out these doors, just ready to go out and spread this good news and be that salt and light. I mean, this is awesome, awesome stuff. And so I hope you realize just how great of an opportunity that each of you sitting in this room have right now. Like you have the opportunity to serve others in the name of Jesus, to represent him and be that positive impact to others. I mean, that's just, the fact that he lets us be a part of that, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. And so I hope that when you leave this chapel tonight and this upcoming week and beyond, I hope you put this into practice in your life, that you be a salt and light to the world. I hope you take part in this. And so, usually, 
I would kind of want to end this message on like a nice, happy, fun note. Because like right now, like I'm pretty pumped up right now. Like this is awesome and exciting stuff. But when Jesus gives us these two metaphors and these two commands of having us be salt and light in the world, he also gives us some warnings. Some things that we need to be aware of if we are truly going to be salt and light and make a positive impact. So let me just reread this salt metaphor one more time. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And that's awesome. We love that. Like, we want to be the salt of the earth. You know, we want to be the kind of people that bring joy, that bring the flavor of life. We want to purify uh, the world around us. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Instead, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as what? Worthless. If salt loses its flavor, it becomes worthless. It's just like worthless rock that people are just going to trample and walk over. And so why is Jesus adding this warning? Like, like as I read this, like, I'm excited at first. Like, this is really nice. Like, this is just this, this positive, you know, command that makes, makes us feel good and excited, but... Now he gives this sad image of salt being worthless and trampled on. So what does that mean? Well, just like my soup that I was talking about earlier, I was ready to just let that soup sit in the fridge for a couple of weeks before I finally remembered that I needed to throw it out because it had become worthless to me. It was bland, it was gross, it was worthless. But as soon as I added that flavorful salt, it was liquid gold. It was amazing. It was valuable. It came precious to me. And so here we have Jesus providing that same warning that flavorless salt is worthless. And what he means by this is pretty simple. If you claim to be salt, if each of you sitting in this room, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but you're not trying to help create that positive impact that salt should be creating, well, the harsh reality is worthless. Worthless. In other words, if we are trying to help Jesus on his mission to spread his good news, and yet unlike salt, we just let the evil happen around us, we're not trying to purify and preserve the good, if we let bullying happen around us, then are we actually salt? No. We're not doing our part as followers of Jesus if we just stand by and coast by. So Jesus gives us this warning with the salt metaphor, but then he talks about light. And he says, you're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And that is, again, awesome. Like, that is awesome. Like, we love that. Like, we want to be a light in the darkness. We want to be the people that provide comfort to others. But then Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is supposed to be placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And so as followers, we want to be the light in this world, the light that penetrates the darkness. Like we don't just want to be the followers of Jesus that whenever things are getting kind of tough, we just hide under that basket so no one can see us. 
Like, we don't want to be those kind of followers. We don't want to be the followers that just pretend to be like everyone else. Like, we say, oh, yeah, uh, I'm a, a Christian, but then in the meantime, we're just hiding with that basket over ourselves so no one else can really see that we are Christians. Because if that's who we say we are, but we're not actually showing it, then what good is it? It'd be like going outside into the dark woods and you have a flashlight with you and the entire time as you're going, you have your hand over top of the light. It makes no sense. Like that would just be the most meaningless thing you could do if you're just going to cover the light source. We don't want to be worthless. We don't want to be flavorless salt. We do not want to be a light that is easily covered. But instead... Just as Jesus concluded this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, we want to let our good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise our Heavenly Father. And make sure you catch that last part because that is incredibly important. It's not so that we're going to be praised. It has nothing to do with us at all. But it's all that God may be praised. That's why we want to be salt. That's why we want to be light. That's why we want to go out into the, to the worlds and the nations and make disciples. So let's do it. Let's go be salt. Like, let's go be light. Like seriously, like, like, let's do it. Like this is awesome stuff. And I hope you leave here just like pumped up because I mean, I, I'm, I'm fired up right now. Like I am ready to storm out of this chapel wearing this banana costume or not. And I am going to go just, in the name of Jesus, be a salt and light to those around me. And I hope you all do that too, because, man, what an opportunity we have. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to let you get to your small groups. And I have some more pretzel bites that you guys can eat during your, uh, during your small groups. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this awesome group that we get to be uh, just silly and crazy and insane by wearing things like inflatable banana costumes. And Lord, we're grateful for that, the fun that we have. But Lord, at the same time, if we're not leaving this church acting as the salt of the earth and the light of the world, then it's meaningless. So God, it's my prayer that we don't just have a meaningless faith. We don't want it to be worthless, but may we go out and make a positive impact in your name. May we make an impact on those around us in your name. Not so that we can be glorified, but Lord, so that you may be glorified. Thank you for letting us even be a part of this. It is so humbling, and we praise you. We lift this up to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to tonight's lesson. As always, you can go back and listen to any previous lessons that you might have missed. Also, if you want to stay up to date with what is happening in the Five Forks Student Ministries, we encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can find us under Five Forks Students. Or you can check out our website, ffbic.org dot org slash students.